guy in the NBA should ever, should ever, have, should ever wear a 23. I've been working on that shot my whole life. And, uh, you know, for that one to go in, you know, that was, that was liberating right there, man. And I'm not, I'm not shoving it aside, you know, like it don't mean anything. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. But we talking about 43 Justin J.D. Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the 23 Shots of JD podcast. Um, if you're probably listening to this um, as soon as it releases or, you know, a couple of hours after it's released, you probably realize that it did come out uh, a bit later than usual. Um, and the reason why I did that as well is, you know, I, I did intend it to probably be uploaded a couple of hours earlier, but um, I did I did want to sort of hold off because a lot of the points I'm going to talk about today and things I'm going to address sort of um, actually related to some NBA games that were happening, things including um, the uh, Utah Jazz playing against the Lakers, uh, Minnesota against Dallas and stuff like that. And some teams and players were mentioned, oh, also were going to mention um, in the podcast. I thought maybe hold back because you don't want to say something and then something completely on the inverse happens and then you're just, you're just like... Well, that sort of rendered my whole argument invalid, but nevertheless, I was trying to get straight into it. Um, you know, sort of holding back a bit on the NBA and actually going on to college basketball, I don't think I've really addressed this a lot um, throughout the podcast, but I did want to sort of weigh in, I guess, in the whole Zion, Williamson, sweepstakes, you could call it, all the teams and all the media attention that's really been sort of placed on Zion and sort of like what I how I feel about it and stuff like that. So for me, I think Zion um, is the number one PR thing. He's a generational talent. But there is obviously some evident flaws in his game, even though he did in his, I think it was his last game against uh, Wake Forest. He did you shoot from three, uh, three to, uh, ah, geez, I can't talk today. Three from four from the three-point line. But uh, before that, it was like five from 22 or something around that range. Like really, really low percentage. I think that's an evident point that he's going to um, try and fix. But I think what's really important about his game is that and, and why a lot of people love him a lot, and why he's sort of highly guarded is just his motor and his passion and his energy for the game. And we actually see, like, a lot of these number one, number two, these high picks, especially in the last couple of drafts, that sort of don't have that type of passion and energy but have all the skills and athleticism that really Zion Williamson had. We see it. We saw it with Andrew Wiggins at Kansas. Um, you know, everyone, was, everyone sort of had him as the bona fide number one pick, and then sort of as the season progressed with the Jayhawks, it sort of became clear that is this guy sort of lacking passion? People sort of compared him maybe a little bit to his demeanor to Tracy McGrady, even though I, don't, you know, I, I definitely think that was unjust because Tracy McGrady was a straight assassin on the court. You know, you don't lead the league in scoring twice, just, you know, being lackadaisical and stuff like that. But, you know, Andrew Wiggins was sort of one of the first type of people, especially at least for me, I noticed that sort of lacked the passion, but had all the sort of athleticism and really a lot of the skills as well to be an effective NBA player and then how it sort of translated now into the NBA. And actually, funnily enough, we're going to talk about Andrew Wiggins later on, but sort of how it's translated in the NBA is that he's, he's a solid NBA player, puts some great points. Um, he's, you know, sort of, he's, he's, he's a solid player, but at the number one pick, you thought, what's this now, his fourth, fifth season in the NBA, you would think that he would be an all-star or fighting for an all-star spot. Someone like a Donovan Mitchell or stuff who, you know, fighting for an all-star spot and really Andrew Wiggins is not really doing that at all. Um, and that sort of trend keeps unfolding. You see people like Anthony Bennett, 
um, who maybe just overall that draft class wasn't good, uh, besides Oladipo, obviously, and uh, Giannis. Giannis was the 24, yeah, I think Giannis was 2014 draft, so... Um, yeah, you know, like, Anthony Bennett lacked the motor, but had all the skills, it really was sort of, uh, Zion Williamson type mold, except he could actually shoot three, that UNLV, 6'8", uh, pretty heavy set guy, decently athletic, um, but yeah, just a lot of things didn't really work out for him, the motivation, um, he had a, you know, pretty bad shoulder injury coming into the league, which really derailed him as well, so, there's a lot of stuff going against him, but, you know, a lot of things in his control that he really sort of messed up on, and then it keeps, it sort of keeps going, you know, you have people like Brandon Ingram, who people thought, people sorry, not thought, think that needs to have a bit more dog in him, a bit more passion, a bit more energy about his game, and, you know, people like Lonzo as well, Lonzo, you know, number two pick, even though perhaps he's not the sort of guard-centric score that everyone's sort of used to now in the NBA, and I still very much believe in Lonzo, how he sort of controls the pace, very good defensively, active hands, um, his court vision is amazing. If you know, um, if you saw the game against the Pistons, that block on Canard and dribbles it up to half court and does that amazing bounce past the two Pistons defenders with KCP. That's the type of the talent that he has. But then at moments you see him just pass the ball, funny enough to Ingram, and then he sort of just strolls to the corner and then just lets the play go out from there. So you know, there's a, that's sort of what's been missing recently from these top top picks and. Zion has all. Zion has that, and I think if you play hard and you play with aggression and you play with passion, there's always going to be a spot for you in the league. Always be a spot for you. And at worst, Zion's going to, I think, be like a Draymond Green type player, a guy that can do it all, defensively sound, um, rebounds the ball, can pass the ball very effectively, and sort of contribute with some points as well. I think that's his flaw, Draymond Green, and that's a very that's a perennial All Star, NBA champion right there. So, really shows how high I really think of Zion Williamson. Um, I guess talking about his other teammates as well, RJ Bad, I think, you know, people think he should be the number one pick. The reason why I sort of don't think he should be the number one pick is that, um, sort of in contrast to Zion, he can sort of disappear in games sometimes. Uh, we said, we actually did see it with the, jeez, who did they play? Was it, ah, oh, jeez, now I forget it. Their, their first conference game where he only scored, I think, 13 points. You know, he, he still played decently well, but, you know, you if he's going to be the number one pick, you would think you would get for more from him. So, like, essentially what I'm saying is, like, Zion's been sort of consistently sort of around that 20-ish points per game range, near that 10 rebounds per, you know, you, per game range. Like, you know what you're getting from Zion, and RJ Barrett's sort of missing that consistency. Plus, Zion Williams, is, let's be honest, is a fucking X Factor. He's a wow. He's, a, he's, a, he's an absolute showcase. And really, he's probably the highest attraction in sport right now. And obviously, there's, you know, it's, it's weird saying this about a quote unquote amateur player. And I harshly, I, I you know, strongly put those quotes, uh, put that phrase in quotes because um, obviously, before the season started, there was some rumors of Zion Williamson and getting that stacked. But, um, you know, he's, he's been playing well. And I think. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the Duke team plays overall because the ACC is is very very hard. You got Carolina, NC State. Um, it's it, it's no scrub of a of a um conference. Virginia as well, who's playing really well. Um, shout out to the Aussies and Kiwis that playing that team. Um, they got a couple, so you know, uh, you know that's all good. Um, I think you know Zion is one of those players that could really really change a franchise and um. 
you know, we we've seen that with other players, you know, recently like Embiid and Simmons and stuff, and um, I guess that sort of moves on to you. Jeez, know, <laughs> that was such a bad transition. Let's be honest, that was a bad transition. I was trying to be slick with the game there, but let's be honest, it's just it was not good. It was not good at all. But Philadelphia seventy sixes. Let's get straight into the NBA news. Philadelphia seventy sixes. Um, on the surface. Same good. They're the fourth in the East right now with twenty seven wins. Um, you know the you know Ben Simmons is getting a lot of triple doubles. Um, LV, didn't play a lot the last game against the. Geez, who did they play? God, I'm really having some. I'm really you know hitting on some blank against the Hawks. He didn't. They didn't play against the Hawks. He didn't play against the Hawks. Sorry, so you know that you know. You know, maybe they're resting him or something like that. But, you know, he's been playing well. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler's been putting up some decent numbers, around 20 points per game, stuff like that. So he's been playing well. But somehow, through a midst of all this sort of theoretical success they're having, there is some really entrenched drama that's existing. And um, there was big reports coming that Jimmy Butler and Brett Brown um, was sort of having this conflict uh, between them. They just He didn't sort of respect... Um, Brett Brown's sort of philosophy on offense and, and, and things along that line as well. And to that I say, Jimmy Butler, man, shut your mouth down, bro. Like, realistically, yeah, people would think you probably want to, you're a really, really good player. But in my all honesty, I don't even think you're a top. You're not even the top two of your own team. So for you to even have nerd, yes, you have the experience, you all, yeah, cool, you have, a, you have your wine bodies and mellow and LBJ and stuff. Cool, you made some all-side games, but bro. Like, bro, like, realize where you're under pecking order. You're not going to get a max contract, especially after what's happening this year. You shit on one coach, force a trade. You go to another team and you shit on that coach. Now you're probably going to force them to have another trade. What's the, they, they, at some point, it's your fault, Jimmy Wilder. Sometimes At some point, it's your fault. You can't keep blaming other people for, like, not even non-success. Like, the team's playing well. The team is playing well. So I think... Um, you know, obviously there is some underlying things that I'll get to, you know, very quickly, um, that maybe will hinder Philadelphia's potential, but at least on the surface, the facade they're putting on, there is a lot of success, but Jimmy Butler, you know, he's sort of like, he's sort of just like a isolated entity, like, he's sort of like, yeah, no new friends, like, I, I stick with the same homies type of dude, and, you know, you can respect that sometimes, but, you know, for someone that wanted to get out of the team, wanted to play for a championship contender... And evidently goes to a team that's viewed as a championship contender, especially with the talent that he has. Maybe the depth is lacking, but at least with the up, uh, the uh, upfront talent that they have, you know, surely they should be viewed as a championship contender. But with the, you know, with the drama that Jimmy Butler brings, you know, it's not conducive to building a positive environment. Like, you know, we see we see it now with people like Antonio Brown and stuff like that, who's getting a bit too big for the boots. I think Jimmy Butler's getting a bit too big, too big for his boots, you know? A bit too arrogant, mate. You're a bit too arrogant. Like, pop down a bit. Pop, like... Like, what? You, you Somehow the team, you drop 30 points. Ben Simmons drops a triple-double and you still lose to the Hawks. To the Hawks. You did that again. Plus MB dropped, like, 35 and 15 against the Wizards. He still lost. You still lost, and sure, yeah, you're putting up your own individual statistics. 
And maybe this is probably a greater scheme and a greater issue that's amongst the whole team and the organization in regards to them actually having effective winning plays. But Jimmy Butler, you can at least try and change the foundation of that. And somehow you're probably impeding on that even more. You're impeding on the ability of the Philadelphia 76ers to try and garner this type of success that they've been damn near searching for for, for years. And you come out here and you, you talk trash about the coach? Know your place, Jimmy Butler. Know your place, alright? And I don't care if you come for me on Twitter or Instagram. You probably you probably wouldn't even hear this because I'm such a blimp on the, on the, on the radar. But just know, man, just, just, you're too big for your boots. Just play basketball, man. Just play basketball. And I know that's probably been a contentious sub, a contentious line that's, that's been thrown out there, especially amidst, you know, LeBron James' sort of media uh, escapades and stuff like that, where it's, you know, shot up in dribbles. And I'm not saying shot up in, like, you know, shot up in dribbles. Like, you can talk about, you know, political issues and social justice issues and things like that. I think it's very, very important for athletes to sort of, trying to address that and um even though it's probably not you know their duty to i think it is important because they are role models and they are sort of the voices of a lot of people especially in my generation of the you know the, the younger generation but if you're going to talk shit about the coach and you're trying to lead this to people you you know you you talk smack you go at the, the you go at tom thibodeau you you know you call out the whole timberwolves team and then you scatter off to rachel nichols and express your issues Come on, Jimmy Butler, you're not fooling anyone here, alright? You're not fooling anyone, and I hate to see a team like Philadelphia, who has such a great young core, be sort of demised by your silly actions. Come on, man, come on. Um, you know, going on with <laughs> the Philadelphia 76s, um, there's been a lot of speculation around Ben Simmons, and I think this speculation has sort of... Uh, fueled Ben Simmons, especially recently with the amount of triple doubles he's getting on a more consistent basis, even though they're not translating to wins, um, you know, he's putting in the effort and stuff like that, he even did a pull-up jump against the Clippers, so take that for what you will, but, you know, that that lack of perimeter shooting that Ben Simmons um, doesn't have, really, I was going to say possess, but he doesn't possess any perimeter game at all, um, well, you know, that lack of, you know, shooting ability is sort of hindering him and really hindering the team because he then becomes unplayable in the fourth quarter and because of that and because of all this sort of tension that's arriving especially you know again picking back off Jimmy Butler's issues with the coaching staff and the offensive game um you know there's sort of potentially been rumors that Ben Simmons is expendable which is ridiculous to hear, at least for me. And I'm not trying to be a homer for the Aussie guy. I know I'm an Aussie boy and, you know, I love and support and root for the Australians in the NBA. But this is not me rooting for an Australian NBA player. I'm rooting for an NBA player, a 21, 22, 23-year-old. I, I really don't know his age because I, I really don't need to know. To know that this guy's a generational talent. This guy's basically LeBron James without a jump shot. And he will learn a jump shot. I... I I dare you to bet me that this guy won't learn a jump shot before his career finishes in the next 10 to 15 years. He will learn a jump shot. And I don't know why Philadelphia is so impatient about these things. Like, be patient. Be patient. Because who knows, the Celtics might not be there for a long time. The Bucks, you know, they're, they're probably going to you know be a, a staple. But who knows, maybe Giannis, 
might want to leave, go to a bigger market. Who knows? Yeah, the Raptors, we still don't know their sort of stability. Kyle Lowry's on the downhill. We don't even know if Kawhi's even going to stay there. So Philadelphia, if they just stay patient, stay true to themselves, perhaps, you know, not making a move is the move to make, realistically. Um, I saw a rumor that Ben Simmons might get traded for Anthony Davis, which to me is a bit weird, but sort of cool at the same time. You know, imagine if Ben Simmons goes back to, you know, the Louisiana State area, dominates for New Orleans, you know, that could be a game changer. And just sort of like, I'm more curious of how the dynamics between AD and um, B really work. Like, I know the experiment with uh, Boogie Cousins and um, AD nearly manifested into something positive if, if it wasn't for Boogie getting injured. But, you know, it's, it's really the two star-studded front court really the way to go. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe you need to be at the cutting edge of something before, um, before everyone follows, you know. Maybe this highly dominant three-centric um, sort of league, maybe you need to go in reverse. Maybe that's the way you sort of are a point of difference or you might make the, you know, finals and stuff like that. But, you know, we'll see with the Philadelphia 76ers. As I mentioned, they are top four in the East and, um, you know, they're playing well. They're playing very, very well. And uh, I guess sort of relating back to Jimmy Butler, a team that he ultimately messed up is the Minnesota Timberwolves. And, you know, the coach that he shot on, a coach that a lot of people didn't really like, maybe not in the organization, but especially across the media and a lot of other NBA pundits and stuff like that, was Tom Thibodeau. He did get fired. And Young Saunders, Young Saunders comes in and um, uh, is now the interim head coach. Um, I'm not going to call him by his first name because I think Young Saunders is a sick name, especially if it's like a Y-U-N-G, like Young Saunders is pretty gangster. Um, uh, I think he was about 32 years old, the youngest NBA head coach right now in the league. The man's young. The man is young. Um, and maybe that's what the Timberwolves need. I think they have a very, very young team. Um, and he's really been the main staple piece of the Timberwolves, which is surprising to think that a 32-year-old has been the main staple piece of the Timberwolves because throughout all the different coaching changes, especially since 2014 when Andrew Wiggins was there, he's been the only player, uh, the only single coaching uh, per, uh, individual, coaching, um, coaching person that's been... Um, there from the beginning, especially when the started the young core started to emerge. So, you know, maybe maybe he's gonna you know bring something different to the table. Maybe he'll you know try and get the best out of his players, especially what we saw with Andrew Wiggins against OKC. They got forty and ten. Maybe he maybe Andrew Wiggins gonna thrive under him. He did mention again in the press press conference uh after that performance that you know he has a lot of respect for coach Saunders and we even saw it in the locker room with a lot of the players um you know a lot of players sort of embracing uh young Saunders and um his first victory and then in the locker room pouring water on water on him you know doing that classic celebration yeah, a lot of respect. And if you look at the ladder as well, they're not really far out of the playoff picture. So there's definitely some room for the Minnesota Timberwolves to turn around. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be good to see how the Timberwolves progress because I do like the Timberwolves. I don't think 
um, I think I mentioned in the podcast ages ago, like, a lot of Australians like the Timbles, and I think a lot of just the casual fan like the Timbles, because it's sort of just, um, one of the Timbles is just a cool mascot, and it's a cool name. But on, 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 on the second point, it's like, they have such a cool young core. Wiggins, you know, even though, like I said, he sort of sometimes like motivation and passion, he can play. He can play. He can ball out. We know what Carnathan Towns can do. Not play defense, but offensively a stud. Not a, more than a stud. He's a, a savant. I like Tyus Jones as well. Tyus Jones is very, very well. Play, plays very, very well. So there's a lot of great pieces they have in their team. Okoji to mention as well. Um, that can that can play effectively, and I think, um, especially find your coach halfway through the season, it, it is a bold move. But if you believe in young Saunders and you believe in young Saunders, then, um, yeah, you know, young coach may, maybe can relate, to, maybe relates to the players better than you know Tibbs could, which um, which is, seems to seems to be a trend amongst, or maybe will be a growing trend amongst multiple leagues. You know, we see it with um. In the NFL with the Rams coach, uh, now I just forgot his name. Well, wow, I can't. Believe, I, I really, I really had it in my head. Now I forgot his name. But you know, it, it seems to be this trend towards young coaches, which don't understand because you know it was always that thing that the older guys would never expect a young coach. Even Luke Walton at what age, thirty eight, thirty nine, is a young coach, and but he gets a lot of respect. So it's you know it's um, yeah, it's just interesting to to hear that there's a lot of young coaches. Um, around the league, you know, I, I, it's one of those things that uh, seems to be a growing trend. But uh, yeah, it's just what it is. Um, as I sort of mentioned and alluded to that, you know how the Timberwolves can make the playoffs. They are in the thirteenth position, which is insane to think that they're still in the run for the playoffs, albeit halfway through the season. But that's because this Western Conference, it's it's stacked. There's a stacked Western Conference, and really, really from. You know, the Nuggets and the Warriors with 28 wins that sort of give themselves a bit of a bit of a buffer or a bit of um leading room for them to sort of, you know, relax a bit. But really from 3 to 14, it's anyone's game. The Thunder, you know, we see them. They've, they've lost three in a row. Um, the Trailblazers, they were sort of lower, but now they've won four in a row. The Clippers have been losing. The Rockets and Spurs have been, you know, here and there. Lakers, obviously, without LeBron James, are here and there. The Jazz have been, you know, winning some couple games recently. Kings, again, are one and, you know, they win one, they lose one. They're right on 500. The Pelicans, Pelicans are a bit snaky, let's be honest. They've won three in a row. Snake, another sneaky team. The Mavericks won two in a row. Um... Timbers obviously lost lost against Dallas, but um, they're still really definitely in the playoff picture as I mentioned. And the Grizz, the Grizz are still in the playoff picture. Um, obviously they've really f- died down from the hot start. Um, I remember at one point, you know, I thought Conley was going to be an All Star, but them being second last is probably you know not going to really progress him being an All Star. But you know, it is it is really just a clusterfuck of teams in in, in that. 3-14 to 14 position, which is insane, and um, I think if any season was going to be a season of reflection that maybe there should be no um, no East or West, and it should just be the best 15 teams, this is probably the reflection, because 
if you look if you look at the ladder, the Hornets are in eighth spot with nineteen wins and twenty two losses. And you know who else has nineteen wins and twenty two losses? The Memphis Grizzlies, so they're coming fourteenth. So they would be in the playoffs in the East, but somehow they're probably in line for a top high top of really high lottery pick in the next upcoming NBA draft. You know, how how odd is really that? You know, it's it's a bit odd. It's a bit odd. And um I think this is really reflection, especially at least for Western Conference teams and for the NBA, and at least for a lot of NBA fans and really media outlets, that the regular season matters. The regular season matters, and at least for me, I care about the regular season now, because especially with the Western Conference, it's so close that every game matters. The Lakers losing to the Jazz today matters. The Pelicans, so the Mavericks beating the Timberwolves today, mattered. The Thunder losing to have has mattered. Everything matters. Lamarcus Aldridge's fifty-six point game for the Spurs mattered. Everything matters. Everything matters. So, you know, it's insane how close the Western Conference is, and it's going to be interesting to see how things progress. It looks like that the Nuggets and the Warriors are mainstays. I could probably say the Thunder are going to be mainstays. The Trailblazers four in a row. They're a really streaky team to me, so they're really, you know, here and there. Um, the Clippers, again, another interesting team. They started really hard. Pe- people still think they're going to be in the playoffs. I'm sort of more hesitant on that. And then really from there, the Rockets, the Spurs, the Lakers, Jazz, Kings, Pelicans, Mavericks, um, Timberwolves, and Grizzlies, you know. So toss up a coin and see if it lands on heads or tails. And trust me, that's going to be a hard one to decide who's going to fill out the next four spots. But you know, it's going to be it's going to be a wild regular season. It matters. It matters. Fans, people listening to podcasts, tune in at least for Western Conference teams playing because you know it's definitely, definitely, definitely going to matter who sort of um, pans out. In these next couple of games or next couple of weeks, especially before the All Star break, um, I guess sort of talking about the Western Conference, it's sort of mandatory to get into some Laker news. Always a mandatory Laker news. If you're a podcast on the, if you're an NBA podcast, if you're showing, if you're sure about the NBA, it's pretty, it's pretty much mandatory to talk about the Lakers. So we're going to talk about the Lakers. Just lost to the Jazz, but before that, we we're on a two-game win streak. Beat the Mavs, beat the Pistons, and what is it now? Three and six without LeBron James, thirty-three percent. They failed. If you're gonna look at it as an exam, they're they're failing. They're failing their class. They're failing their course. But there has there has been sort of some bright spots. But realistically, if you look at it on a holistic point of like a holistic a holistic viewpoint. The team looks suspect. The team looks suspect, and um, you know the whole sort of you know thing surrounding the whole sort of reason why the Lakers need to take that next step or haven't taken that next step sort of is predicated on two individuals mainly, and that's Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. Man, you know, let's break down two. Of, you know, both of them. Lonzo Ball um, has played well in Sparks, you know, he's had a couple of 20-point games, he's had a couple of over-10 assist games, 
uh, multiple steals games. Defensively, I think he's always sound, and I did mention it from the top when talking about sort of players that need more motivation. I really don't think it's motivation with Lonzo Ball. I think he does have the motivation. He does it because he, he plays hard, hard defense. I think it's just offensively, maybe he's just not up to it at this point in his career. He just, you know, obviously has played or has shot better from three, but not consistently. He's, he's, you know, he's still, you know, you still don't know what you're going to get from him. You might get a four from eight games that he had with, um, against the Mavericks, and then you might get a one for three or four games that he had, I think, today against the Jazz. You know, he's really up and down, he's really up and down, but, um, you know, he, he needs to be a bit more consistent, at least showcase his ability to be an effective contributor on the team when it when it's needed, when it matters, because in the fourth quarter, man, this guy's unplayable. This guy is unplayable. He's, he's what, two for nearly, like, this guy's nearly like 10% from the free throw line. 10% from the free throw line. I didn't say he is ten percent. He's nearly ten percent. Which, if you're in the ballpark of ten percent from the free throw line, that's a that's that's concern. That is concern. And when he shoots free throws as well, it's like it's like he's hoping it for it to go in. Like he like it's just like he's chucking it up in the air. Like you know, you know when you're playing basketball, and you play with people that don't know how to play basketball, and they do that two-handed push shot. That's basically what he's doing. He's two-handed push shot to the rim and hope it goes in. You're an NBA player, and I love Lonzo. I love me some big baller brand. I love me some triple Bs. But at some point, you know, I'm going to get frustrated with you, Lonzo, because you're not getting the shots that you need to get in. You need to get in your free throws. It's fine if you go 1 for 5 for 3-point range. It's okay if you go 3 for 12 in a game. It's probably not okay, but at least it's showing that you're being... You know, aggressive, and you know maybe if you miss those shots, at least you, maybe you're dragging the five man. You leave Javale McGee open, Tyson Chandler open, Zubach open, and they can get an easy tip in. You know, it's it's all about you know being aggressive, and say contributing to the team. But you know, if you're you're not going to be wanting to drive into the lane because if you get fouled, you have to shoot some free throws. And you've been unreliable from the free throw line, so you know it's a big concern. And um, to Brandon Ingram, he's been playing well. Let's be honest, he's been playing well. You know, hovering around that 17 to 20 points per game, hovering around 6 to 8 rebounds. You know, he's played better statistically without LeBron James, but um, especially when there was um, games like without Kuzma with that back injury and all sort of the control went into Brandon Ingram, he did struggle. Maybe for the first, maybe the first half he played well, but you know, towards the end of the third quarter and heading to the fourth quarter, this guy just can't get a shot. You know, he he has to take hard shots. He's still too wiry for him to really be effective in you know driving to the lane. Um, you know, there's still some problems that exist with Brandon Ingram that are probably not going to get fixed anytime soon. It's something that's going to progressively, he's going to progressively get better as he gets older. And he gets more experience. You know, people forget, you know, even though it's his third year in the league, the guy's only 21 years old. He's as old as Lonzo. You know, he's three years younger, or he, he will probably be three years younger than Kyle Kuzma um, by the season's end, you know. Like, this guy is still very young, and there is still a lot more room to go. But if, for the Lakers, it does seem that, you know, even they, even though they talked about, oh, you know, we're going to hold off, you know, we don't, you know, we care about the season, we, we're working towards, you know, the future. 
they do definitely want to make the playoffs. And let's be honest, they probably want to make the finals. LeBron James wants to make the finals. For at least for his ego, he wants to be that guy that makes it to what we've been now nine straight finals. He wants that. He wants that moniker. He wants that title. So if Zoro and Ingram don't become not even step their game up, because they have stepped their game up. So step their game up. Sorry, but still just being that more consistent contributor. That's all they need. It's just consistency. And perhaps maybe LeBron James is able to mask that lack of inc- that sort of that inconsistency that these two players have. But it's not really these two players at all. It's really just the whole team that lacks this consistency. And that's what goes on to my point with Kyle Kuzman. There's all this big uproar about Kyle Kuzman. You know, I love me some Kyle Kuzman as well. But I don't really think he's that guy. Is he really, really that dude? The guy was 4 for 20. In his first game back from a back injury. I can excuse that. I'll excuse that. And he comes back and he drops 41 points. And they think he's the next Messiah. They're like, well, look at him. And yes, he was in elite company. He's only, well, I think it's Curry, Harden, and Clay. That's only scored um, 40 points in three quarters. Yes. That's that's elite company right there. He's uh, in rarefied air in regards to the Lakers scoring 40 points. Yes, that's cool. And then you come in the next game and you do, what, 3 for 18, whatever it is. I, I don't really want to look at the stats because it's probably worse than that. You need more consistency from Kyle Kuzma. He's shooting worse than Lonzo from 3. People forget about that. He shoot, he's shooting worse than Lonzo from 3-point range. And you call this guy spot-up shooter? And I know he's got that confidence. He's got that brash mentality. He's, you know... Very sort of get got that likable arrogance about him, but let's just not get sort of um, lost in the source here, man. Like, I don't think Kuzma's that dude. At least Ingram sort of puts on these consistent performances. Some and Kuzma maybe he does sometimes, but he will have these really poor shooting games. And you know, people say shooters shoot, but when you shit on Lonzo for shooting, you're like, oh, you're not a shooter. But then. Kuzma comes out here and has these performances again. I'm not trying to hate on Kyle Kuzma. I love me some Kyle Kuzma. And I know it might not sound like I love me some Kyle Kuzma, but I hate how this guy is sort of put on this pedestal above Zoe and Ingram. I don't think he's above Zoe and Ingram. I think he's on the same level as Lonzo and Ingram and even Chuck Josh Harden, Josh Harden there. I think he's all in this, he's in the same level. He hasn't risen above them. Perhaps maybe he's had some performances that would indicate such. But overall, on a holistic viewpoint, no, I don't think so. I think he's on the same level as Owen Ingram. And you know, Stephen A. Smith could say that you need, you need to keep hold of Kuzma. All these NBA pundits could say you need to keep hold of Kuzma. But hear me, and hear me now, that I don't think Kuzma is untouchable. I think he's definitely on the same wavelength as Zoe Ingram. And he has the same issues as Zoe Ingram. Consistency. Sometimes he, disappe- he, he disappears on defense. Maybe not an offense. Yes, he passing the ball. He's going to shoot. He will shoot. Nine out of ten times, he will shoot. And that's not even that's not even like a bet. That's like statistically, he, he will shoot like 80% of the time. He's got a high usage rate when he has the ball. But on defense, man, this guy disappears. It's like the matador. This guy is just like the bouncer letting you in. He's like, oh, wait, so do you have your ID? Oh, wait, you're going to, okay, let's just, just come straight through. Come straight through. Come straight through to Red Velvet, please. Kuzma, he's cool. 
I like Kuzma. Again, I, I don't want to keep reiterating this. I love me some Kyle Kuzma. I love me some Kuz. But be more consistent, dog. And it's, I don't even think it's your fault. It's the media's fault because there's this big, big sort of mirage about him that he's so much greater than Lonzo and Ingram just because he's a 27th pick. Yeah, cool. He's better than Lonzo and Ingram. But do you think a 21 Kyle Kuzma would have done this when he went into the league? No, he was still in Utah. He wasn't even on the radar of NBA teams at that point. Okay? And I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to hate on Kyle Kuzma. But 20, what, what, do you think Lonzo will be better than a 23-year-old Kyle Kuzma? Yes. I do think so. He will be in some aspects. Do you think uh, Do you think Brandon Ingram will be better than a twenty three year old Kyle Kuzma? I honestly think so. I think, and perhaps maybe doesn't fit well with LeBron James does a uh, Brandon Ingram, but I think overall as a player he will be better than what Kyle Kuzma is at twenty three, and Lonzo in a variety of ways will be better than um, Kyle Kuzma. But cool, yeah, Kyle Kuzma that shiny object that everyone loves. He was sort of that argue diamond in the rough per se. Cause it was the twenty seventh pick. Let's just forget about what pick you were. If you if you can ball, you can ball. And we don't need to predicate everything saying like, oh, you know, he's he's a great player for twenty seventh overall pick. Like, who cares about picks, man? No one cares. Oh yeah, he plays pretty well for a second round pick. No, he plays well period for a player. And I know you have to put on these expectations for these top three, top five, top ten picks. These lottery picks. Yes, Lonzo has to pull, you know, play at the expectation of the number two pick. Same as Ingram. But let me not forget. Do you know who, like, the last number two picks have been? The last number two picks? Just on the top of my head, you can think, like, Victor Oladipo has been cool. Yeah, Victor Oladipo has been cool. But besides that, can you really name others? Can you really name others? Just give me a second. I'm sort of stalling because I'm trying to search it up. Like, Jesus, Jesus. It's just... It's funny how people go, like, you got to live up to the expectations of a number two overall pick. Let me go through the number two overall pick starting from 2013. Victor Oladipo, yes. All-star, amazing player. Killed it for Indiana. I'll give you that. Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Talk about so, if you think Lonzo's offensively not that good, and you think his jump shot's ugly, have you seen Michael Kidd Gilchrist? Have you seen that uh, of a jump shot? So, yeah, I think England's better than Michael Kidd Gilchrist at this stage. Lonzo probably will be better than Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Derek Williams from Arizona, number two pick. Where is he? I don't even know where he is. Is he still in the league? I don't know. I'm damn near sure that Lonzo will probably be in the league and he'll be a very effective player in the league for a long time. He won't be kicked out. And definitely better than he won't be kicked out. I wouldn't even need to go there. Evan Turner. Solid player for the Portland Trailblazers. But did he live up to the hype of number two big? No. Let me keep going. Hashim the beat. Where the fuck is Hashim the beat? I don't even know where Hashim the beat is. The good thing about Hashim the Beat is his name Hashim the Beat. Michael Beasley. We know where Michael Beasley is. Playing behind Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and the Lakers. 
He plays off the bench. And at points, I didn't even get game time. And I know he's a really good really good scorer, and you could even say at this game, look, they relied on him at, at some points. Yes, Blonzo passing the ball sometimes. He can, he, he, yeah, it's, offensively, he's good. But he's had some problems in the past. Defensively, he sucks ass. And that, that wasn't meant to be a bar. That wasn't, I wasn't rapping there. I wasn't trying to rhyme. That's just facts, all right? And we're going to Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Aldridge. Yes, we can get there. Yes, we're very good players. But Marvin Williams, 2005. Okay. That's a shrug of the shoulders. Mecca Okafor. Yes, I think he won Rookie of the Year, did he? Or I think he was really close with Dwight Howard. He did have a couple of good seasons, but where is he now? And well, this is maybe 15 years. Maybe he will be out of the league by now. Maybe, you know. But no. He had to, He just disappeared. Not because not because he retired, because he just wasn't good enough anymore. Darko Milicic, let me give you. Let's not get started on Darko Milicic, please, please. Live up to the expectation of a number two pick. I'm pretty sure Lonzo's up to the expectations of Gil, Gil, uh, Kid Gilchrist, Derek Williams, Turner, Thabit, Beasley, Williams. Okafor actually was pretty decent. Let's be honest. Tampa's Bernard Ingram. All those players that I mentioned. 2002, Jay Williams. We know what happened to Jay Williams. He got injured, unfortunate. Now he's, now he's that cool guy on the get up, and he is cool. I like Jay Williams. He's really, really cool. I was really if I, if I really wanted to meet anyone, I would actually want to meet Jay Williams because he is a cool cat. I like him. Tyson Chandler, he's played really well. I think he was an awesome. Maybe I don't don't think he was an also at one point, but defensive player of the year. Um, obviously NBA champion, the Dallas Mavericks. You know, we don't need to talk about that. Strong Miles Swift. Who the fuck is Strong Miles Swift? And I'm not the only one saying that. Who the hell is Strong Miles Swift? Alonzo Ball's probably better than Strong Miles Swift. I would say definitely better than Strong Miles Swift. Same as Brandon Ingram. Steve Francis, he had a couple good years. I won't argue there. Mike Bibby, integral part of, you know, the Sacramento Kings revival in the early 2000s. I'll give you that. Keith Van Horn, pretty decent. I'll give you that. Marcus Camby, pretty decent, I'll give you that. Antonio McDyess, pretty decent, I'll give you that again. Jason Kidd, um, people always talk about Jason Kidd. I think if you look at the stats, Lonzo's merely behind Jason Kidd in stats. Merely. Let's be honest with each other there. Sean Bradley, and then, you know, sort of the list goes on and on and on and on and on. But at least from this 2000 and up, if you're saying, if you if you want Lonzo and Bradley to live up to the expectation of a number two pick, they're by far exceeding the expectations of a number two pick. At least for me. And maybe the story hasn't been written for them. Maybe they will end up being a boss. But at least for now, and all the people are fucking saying, oh, you got to live up to the expectation of a number two pick. Cool. They're pretty much are. Maybe not. LaMarcus Aldridge, he, he's really, really good. Kevin Durant, one of the greatest players of all time. But besides that, you know, I think they could get up to a Neil Marcus Aldridge level. And that's exceeding, basically, what's that? Two out of, th- two out of, th- well, maybe Victor Oladipo as well has had him in there. Three out of 13. Three out of 13. Come on, let's be real right now. Jesus. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want, I really didn't want to go there, but. Let's be honest, man. If Carl Kuzma's ahead of Carl Kuzma's not ahead of these guys. Yes, he's had some magnificent magnificent performances. Magnificent. 
but he's not consistent. And that's my metric for being good, being consistently good. Zoe Lonzo's not consistently good. Brandon Ingram's not consistently good. Kyle Kuzma's not consistently good. Josh Hart is not consistently good. Even JaVale McGee's not consistently good. Zubat, you can just go through the whole roster, they're not consistently good. Except for LeBron James, and that's why he's reviewed as one of the best players. Because he's consistently good. And I guess that sort of leads me to talking about LeBron James. Yes, I, I did call him one of the... Um, best plays in the world and probably one of the best players of all time. But you know who else said that about himself? LeBron James. LeBron James called himself Lego. I don't care. Yes, he would have been on his own stupid fucking TV show. I don't care. He called himself the GOAT. You know who doesn't call himself the GOAT? The GOAT, Michael Jordan. You know why? Because his peers recognize that he's the GOAT and therefore doesn't need to talk about himself as the GOAT. Okay? And yes, you probably, you know, he's like, oh, contextually, you gotta put it in context. I don't need to put shit in context, man, because LeBron James straight up just said, at that point, I thought I was the greatest player of all time. Last time I checked, three is better than one. Last time I checked, Jordan didn't go into any Game 7s. He didn't put it, didn't need to put himself in any of that unnecessary pressure. You know why? Because he closed them out. He murdered them before Game 7. Before Game 7. You know what Michael Jordan thinks about that question? Who the greatest of all time is? You know what he thinks about that question? We all know what he thinks about that question. Have you guys ever played Michael? Uh, have, you, have you guys ever played 2K? Have you got if you know if if you play 2K if you know if you play 2K you would know what his answer is to the greatest player of all time. Let let me let me chuck it up. Just give me a second. Here we go. People always debate it. Who's the greatest player of all time? Don't question. It should be who's the greatest team of all time. You know, there are so many teams to choose from. The 91 Chicago Bulls. Sorry, Showtime. The 92 Bulls. Back to back. The 93 Bulls. First three people. The 97 Bulls. Even with the flu. The 98 Bulls. No push off. And my favorite. The 96 Chicago Bulls. 72 wins. Tough to beat that. What? What? Yes, indeed, Michael Jordan. What? Yes, Michael. Yes, LeBron James proclaimed himself as the greatest player of all time. Even at that point, and a lot of people were like, "Yeah, that's BS. It's probably just doing it for two games." Perhaps he is. Perhaps he is. But I think what he said has a lot of merit. It's not about who the greatest player is. It's about the greatest team. Yes, yes, it is. And you know, even though he said seventy-two wins, and there is a team that had seventy-three wins. It's all about the ring, and he ended up, you know, getting the ring. So of course that's why his team's better than that that than that team. But what I wanted to play that for you now is that when he when proposed with the question who's the greatest of all time, he didn't say himself. He could have even said other players. Maybe he could have. I don't know he had a big affinity for David David Thompson. Could have said that. Doctor J, Magic, Larry. He could have said any of those guys. Bill, Wilt, Jerry. All those people. But he didn't. 
He said it's about the greatest team ever. And let me play, let me rewind to back to what LeBron James said. At that moment where, one, Kyrie Irving hits the game-winning shot. LeBron James didn't hit the game-winning shot. Kyrie Irving won the game-winning shot. Kyrie Irving sent up LeBron James. He's part of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the team. Yet, LeBron James says, at that moment, I thought, I am the greatest player of all time. <laughs> you see where I'm coming, you see, you see, you see where, you gotta see where I'm coming at this. Is that he claims to be the greatest player of all time, yet his team, and, not, and Kyrie Irving carried him, hit the game-winning shot for him to even have that moment of, cl- of insane, not even clarity, just insane, just realization. No, he didn't go like, wow, this is one of the greatest teams I've ever played for. That's what I would have said. Any humble human being, any human being with any sense in the world, someone that's not selfish, someone that's not narcissistic, someone that's a team player in a team sport would think, wow, what a team. This is the greatest team I've ever played on. But no. He basically said, he said fuck you, Kevin Love. F you, Kyrie Irving. Kyle Kerber, I don't care. JR, good on you, buddy. But I'm the greatest player of all time. And that's really just a show of his character. He's selfish. He's egotistic. He only really cares about his own individual stats. And he will forever play. And yes, maybe at one point he will have the most points, you know. He will be one of the leading rebounders, leading assist guys, leading steals, leading blocks, leading minutes. Yes, perhaps he could be all that. But he will never be the greatest player of all time because he doesn't understand what basketball is. It's a team sport. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. I was a bit, bit busy there. It's a team sport where people on the court help you out to win. And that's what Michael Jordan understood. And perhaps, yeah, it could be BS, but he did say it. And it's all about what you said. And what you said is usually what you mean. And I believe in that. And I believe he does mean that. I think he does believe that the greatest refers to the be- uh, the best team. Cleveland's not the best team. You know why he's not the best team? Because LeBron James doesn't even think that. All he thought about was that, you know what? I'm the greatest player of all time. I'm the greatest player of all time. And it's just, I'm speechless because it's so, it's just not what you say. It is just not what you say in, in, in the world. I just don't appreciate that at all. Like, it's sort of, it's like, it's it, to me, it's like giving yourself a nickname, you know? You don't, no one, I think he gave himself a nickname, didn't he? I don't know, maybe, uh, I, I was like five years old when he gave himself a nickname, I don't, I don't care, I don't know, but, you don't give yourself a nickname, Michael Jordan didn't call himself Air, Jay West didn't call himself the logo, but I think LeBron James called himself King, maybe, maybe he called himself the Chosen One, and just that speculation there, just like, 
that's that's just how cringy it is for him to say that he's the goat. Like how cringy it is for you to give yourself a nickname. Like if you just gave yourself a nickname, like the nickname Big Dick, no one's gonna respect that. If anything, that's just that's you masking the fact that you probably have a small dick. So perhaps maybe LeBron James calling himself the goat in his mind is him really putting on this facade that he doesn't think he's the goat. Which, in that point, you are correct, son. Because you're not the GOAT. <sighs> we had fun today. We definitely did have fun today on this podcast. There was a lot of bickering, a lot of arguments to myself. Which is pretty fucking weird, you know. Again, I, I think I'll always say this. It's really weird when you're just talking to yourself because you do seem like a psycho. I'm physically arguing and getting angry to myself. And if you like that, you can find me again next week on the 23 Shots of JD podcast every Saturday in Australia, which is probably Friday in America, depending on what time. UK, figure it out. Um, if you like, if you, you know, want to interact with me further, you can email me at 23shotsofjd at gmail.com, or if you have Twitter, you can tweet at me at 23shotsofjd, um, as well, you can find my Instagram, uh, Instagram page linked, um, that's probably the best way to contact me, DM me, um, you can find my email there as well, um, yeah, at, uh, uh you, you just look at the bio, you'll find my Instagram link there, Calling that, give it a follow, and um, if you have any questions or queries or things you want to talk about, just DM me there and um, maybe I could address it on the podcast later on. Um, if you did like the podcast, make sure to give it five stars, review it please. And um, I'm thinking, you know, maybe if we get some good reviews and more a lot of five star reviews, I'll be open to maybe um, putting it out there and, you know, maybe addressing it on the podcast or something like that, which would be pretty cool. But, um, you know, like I said... Um, yeah, find me, email me, tweet at me, Instagram DM me, get deep in the DMs. Deep in there. But, um, wow, just all these bottles fell. Um, but yeah, I think I sort of leave it to that. Um, yeah, I might be back earlier than, early than usual as well with another podcast, but, um, we'll see. Just, may, just, yeah, I don't know why I even said that. Okay. Bye!